Welcome to the One O'ahu Podcast. I'm Brandi Higa, and today is Thursday, September 28th, 2023. And we're joined this week by the director for the city's Department of Customer Services, Kim Hashiro. Kim, thank you for making some time for us. Oh, thank you for having me, Brandi. And, you know, Kim, for those who aren't familiar, your department, it's so wide ranging. Um, can you tell us what your department does? So our department is primarily focused on delivering services at driver's license offices, processing motor vehicle registration, satellite city halls. And then uh, we also have a public communication division that does uh, media relations, community relations, and is also the central intake for concerns and complaints from the public citywide. And we refer out um, you know, to various departments for response. And so how many make up this? How many people do you oversee? So we have about 300 employees in our department. Uh, we have nine satellite city hall locations across the island, five driver's license locations. And something that the mayor has kind of been championing anytime he gets the chance is city hiring. And I imagine it takes a lot to kind of run that department, especially you mentioned the satellite city halls. So how many people do you, is, is that enough? Do you guys have enough or are there positions that you desperately need right now? So we're actually, we've been very fortunate. So out of 300 positions, we only have about a 10% vacancy rate. Okay. Um, so on average, you know, uh, 30 or so vacant positions. And we've been, um, it's been challenging because although we've been actively hiring and we have hired, in fact, far more than that 30 in, in a year, mm -hmm. we have turnover. Right. And so the the large uh, majority of our positions are um, the staff at the satellite city halls, driver's license offices. And so it's considered an entry level position at the city. But we do have um, promotional opportunities to move up to move across divisions. And in fact, uh, we have some very senior employees that started off at a driver's license uh, office, moved to a satellite city hall, yeah. came back as a driver's license examiner, which which um, they conduct road tests, yeah. and then um, move up into supervisory or managerial positions. So we do have employees like that. They've spent their career at in our department. We actually have some departments um, with employees, we have three in our motor vehicle registration um, unit that have spent 50 or more years oh, wow. um, in their positions, in their their work units. So it's quite amazing how there are careers built, you know, in our department. And um, it is challenging because not everyone is suited to providing this direct customer service, right? I mean, it is, um, you know, all day long, every day, you know, um, working with the public. Sometimes they're not happy with us. You know, we, we really are striving to exceed expectations. So the positives that we've heard recently um, or for a while now is actually, you know, they, they can make an appointment within a month or so. Mm -hmm. They come in, they're serviced, um, waiting no more than our goal is 15 minutes, um, something reasonable. Um, but it depends on staffing. You know, if if our staffing levels are short for um, a particular day, there will be a longer wait. But we, we do our best to stay on time. And overall, um, service has really improved. So we're really proud of that. And um, But it is an ongoing challenge. We have done things to be creative in terms of um, changing the civil service classification specs for entry-level positions so that we're no longer um, having 
having the same kinds of challenges in recruitment, that has actually resulted in a significant increase in being able to hire quickly. So, um, you know, that those are the kinds of things that our department is has implemented and we need we're working on more of that. So what do you do? Because like you said, you know, a lot of it is complaint driven. They're dealing with the public every day, but yet these workers come and they're happy to come for 30 plus years. Mm -hmm. What's the message that you're putting out to your workers that's kind of keeping that morale, that's keeping them excited to do their job for? I mean, this is a long time that they've been working here. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the focus for our department really is that our purpose is to um, exceed customer expectations. I mean, our name is Department of Customer Services. Right, yeah. uh, a lot of people don't know what that what our department actually does, but they know that it's it's related to some kind of service that the city provides. And so it's really focused on um, a couple of things where we're focused on exceeding customer expectations, but we're also concerned about employees and their career paths, um, retention. You know, we're focused on retention strategies. So we just recently started uh, a 410 pilot. So four days a week, 10 hours a day, three days off for one of our satellite city hall locations. So Kapolei Satellite is actually, um, instead of offering appointments between eight and four, Monday through Friday, it is now seven uh, to five, Monday through Friday. And so Aloha Q, which is our uh, online appointment system, actually she shows slots for you know 7 a.m before yeah. some people start work and as late as 4:45 is the last appointment because we close at five and we're hoping that those expanded hours you know provide um, the public with the ability to not have to take off mm -hmm. uh, from work to obtain services um, and also for our employees you know they're now even though they're working 10 hour days um, they get three days off, off right, a week right. so you know th those are the kinds of things that we're we're trying to you know um, implement and maximize and optimize because we know that you know a a, um, a productive happy you know workforce is going to be able to provide better service to the public and that's really what we're focused on you know and and we're trying to anticipate needs so when you know we hear complaints or concerns raised by the public by the community uh, we look carefully at them I look carefully at, at each um, that comes through and I make sure that did we do everything that we could you know to actually try to address this problem yeah. because if one person is raising this concern I know that there are many out there who haven't called or emailed mm -hmm. but probably experienced something similar and so we we want to try to you know do whatever we can to um to anticipate needs, address problems proactively. Yeah. We don't always want to be reactive. I mean, we're going to have to do some of that, but we're really trying to be proactive. And um, a lot of that is with this, you know, staff that has a lot of history and knowledge about what we do. Mm -hmm. You know, I want them and, and we ask them for um, ideas and input. Like, what do you think could help us with this problem? You know, what, what has been tried? You know, what, what could could we maybe try again or modify and try again? So it is a very collective, you know, collaborative type of work culture that we, um, you know, we, we're trying to advocate for and, and develop in our department. You talked about Kapolei. 
um, ProRidge, is that satellite city hall still nine to five? So yes. So um, that that satellite went through kind of ups and downs yeah. with their their hours because ProRidge management, um, because of security and safety mm -hmm. issues primarily, um, had shifted our hours back um, to open at 10 instead of 9. But we were able to work with them. They were very um, helpful and, and collaborated with us, knowing that, you know, we really needed to open at 9. And so what we do now is uh, customers are actually actually called by our staff the day before, told exactly which door to meet at because not, you know, the doors for Pearl Ridge are not open mm -hmm. to the public uh, before nine. We, our staff meets the customer there and it's appointment only between nine and 10, escorts them to the satellite, oh, wow. they obtain their service and then they're escorted back. Um, so it is a more labor intensive type of process, but it, it is working much better than um, when we couldn't open until 10. 10 right. Yeah, so it, it is something that, you know, we're, we're, we've worked with ProRidge on. They've been really good partners and we really appreciate that location. It is a large, busy location and we know that we can maximize service in that location and we really want to. It is also a driver's license location. We have four out of our nine satellites that can do driver's license renewals and um, uh, duplicates. So the public doesn't have to go to a driver's license location. They can actually go to one of those four satellites and get their driver's license renewed. And it is usually a very fast process. And so I, I want people to know that because um, not everybody does, you know, and our driver's license locations that can also be done, but they're really geared towards the more complex types of transactions um, or new licenses, right? They they, the driver's license locations, they issue the written uh, permits mm -hmm. and then the road tests and then the driver's licensing. So that's really their, their what I, I look at it as that's their core focus. And then the renewals we'd really like to have done uh, at the satellites as much as possible, even though it is also offered at driver's license locations. You said, the, um, you said road tests. Did you pass your driver's test on, on the first try? I did. Congratulations. <laughs> I know that that is somewhat unique nowadays. And, um, you know, especially the, the kids that have to go through this um, very rigid, stringent yeah. type of education program with the behind the wheel training and then the classroom training um, before they take their road test. And then, you know, they'll take their road test and, and it is not uncommon to have people fail. You know, we do have um, high standards. They're set by DOT and we do follow them and we need to. So um, our website actually has a lot of information, honolulu.gov slash CSD, regarding how to prepare for road tests. Um, you know, it, it, it includes brochures and information on your physical car what the condition needs to be, no red lights um, showing on the dash, you know, um, the car needs to be clean, the exterior, you know, all the lights and blinkers need to work. You know, in addition, you need to have your documentation, your insurance, proof of insurance, safety check, registration. So, and, and also what's really important is that sometimes we encounter situations where 
uh, the applicant doesn't realize that the licensed driver needs to come with them oh, to the road test. Right. They actually need to show their driver's license, you know, and and um, the the road test examiner um, needs that as documentation. Plus, you know, they shouldn't be. They can't drive without a licensed driver anyway, but apparently that's not always clear. And so that's something that, you know, we wanted to make uh, sure the public understands because they need to have a parent or guardian, you know, show up with them if um, they're not licensed yet and they're going to take the road test. So were you one of those, like you went kind of down a checklist, like I know that I need to do this, 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 and this, and this before I go to take my driver's test. And it seems like it takes that type of person to be in your position now. Well, when, when, you know, back when I did it, I mean, you're talking 35 years ago, it, it really, or more, it really (laughs) wasn't um, as rigid as it is today. I mean, back then, you know, there wasn't as much structure, right, around um, what it takes to get your license. Today, there are a lot more requirements, including real ID. So if you want that, you know, gold star in a circle on your license for traveling and, you know, proof of identity, then you need additional documents, which all that is on our website, too. Um, But what that has done is made the whole process a lot more complex and involved um, proof of residency. So before, we didn't have to bring bank statements or utility bills Mm -hmm. to prove where we lived, um, but now we do. And so all of that has has created, you know, additional requirements that are important, um, that are, are essentially required by the federal government. But it creates a more challenging, complicated kind of process to get your your license. What happens is our driver's license supervisors at all our locations and our staff are very thoroughly trained. Um, There is a real ID compliance training. I've I've done it myself. Also, it wasn't easy. It is quite rigorous and involved. Um, Many, many uh, levels of training and testing involved in getting this. But uh, our employees are actually trained and uh, need to pass that in the very beginning of their employment with us. And it's reinforced, you know, through on the on the job training. But that has resulted in, um, again, this higher level of stringency and complexity for driver's licensing. But they understand the rules that are required. You know, um, there's there's regulation, you know, through either um, state statute administrative rules, internal policies, you know, federal requirements. And so all of that is why it's important that when an applicant or, you know, a member of the public comes to one of our locations, that they're thoroughly prepared with the proper documents. And we've uh, actually, we're just about ready to um, launch our completely overhauled website. Because one of the things that um, came up when I first started um, in 2021 was our website has so much information. Our website um, has the most hits, you know, or clicks in the city. And um, there's so much information on it. So what we had asked um, 
the the staff to do is really look at how can we streamline that information? How can we make it easier for the public to find information? And we've successfully done that. It is much easier now to find information, much more obvious. In the past, it was like you'd hit a web page and there would just be a million links you know, and you'd have to click through each link and read a PDF document and figure out is does that apply to me? Now you can type in, you know, a question. We have a chat bot. Mm-hmm. You can get information that way. Or like the frequently asked questions are laid out, um, you know, right on the major pages and then you click and you get the information that you need. If you want to drill down further to get more detail, you usually click and then it takes you to another page. Mm-hmm. But that that took enormous effort, that navigation of the website. Mm-hmm. DIT was a tremendous partner for us, as well as our public communication division, actually all our divisions in working on that. And one of the things I had asked them to do was, you know, e- even sometimes when, when I'm asked a question, I don't know it off the top of my head, I will go to our website and actually look for mm-hmm. that information so I can provide, you know, a citation, a link, you know, something like that. And our employees do that too. Because because they can't remember every single, you know, they, they remember the, the majority of what they need to know and to do their jobs. But if they get a question that doesn't come up frequently, they do rely on our own uh, website to do that. And um, we got feedback. We, we had a, like a focus group. And I had asked our communications team to go in and, you know, meet with employees and find out what do you need? What do you struggle with? What do you think will help the public? Because they're the ones servicing the public. And if they know what could help so that someone doesn't have to call or doesn't have to come in because it's easy to access that information on our website, you know, we will provide better service and faster service. Was feral chicken removal service one of the questions that came up in that focus group? Because there was an announcement recently uh, that made it into into local media. Yes. Feral chickens has been, it didn't come out out of the focus group. I don't recall that. But we have consistently received many, many calls, complaints, um, requests for help over the last few years and even prior to that. I know this has been a long-standing, ongoing challenge, but uh, we had we started off um, with this renewed service of city property um, trapping and disposal and removal of chickens on city property because that's what the city is responsible for. What was recently launched was um, an expansion of that program where private property owners now are able to do three things. So um, one, they can rent a cage. And when they rent the cage, it's for a week. And if any chickens are caught, uh, then they can bring it into the vendor and the vendor will dispose of um each chicken. There's a small fee for disposal of the chicken, humane disposal of the chickens. Um, The other major service is um, full trapping, monitoring, and removal of chickens for a week on someone's property. So the vendor will actually um, come in, do an assessment, place the cages, um, you know, provide food and water, and monitor daily. Um, Oh, wow. And then if any chickens are caught, then dispose, you know, remove and dispose of those chickens and then place the cage back for the remainder of the week. So um, we received a lot of interest 
from that that announcement and our vendor actually um, has received over you know i think it was over 115 calls in just a few days and has actually booked um, those types of services you know um, different services with customers and so we're really interested to see what's going to happen and what the actual um, capture rate is going to be and also you know satisfaction levels from the community in fact last night i was just at a neighborhood board meeting where I represent um, the mayor and this came up from from a community member and I explained to him you know how the program works and and why the city is not able to come onto private property to mm-hmm. remove chickens that's actually the property owner's responsibility and you know, when I was done, he he thanked me and he said, OK, thank you for explaining that. I didn't realize, you know, yeah. that that's what was um, the requirement or what was involved and that the city really is, um, you know, taking the next step towards addressing this community wide problem. And and, you know, primarily it's because of the roosters crowing really early in the morning. That's the most disruptive. And we receive the most complaints about that. But in addition to that, it's, you know, chickens are also um, aggravating to household pets and they leave droppings. And so, you know, it's a sanitation issue. So just overall, what we're trying to also promote to the public is please don't feed chickens. You know, um, even though, you know, um, residents may feel like, you know, they feel sorry for chickens. It, it actually, what that continues to do is draw the chickens to a particular location because they remember where they can find food. So we actually have a fact sheet on our website. Certain parks have signs posted mm-hmm. not to feed feral chickens, you know, and um, when our vendor was working out in the community, um, you know, he, they have talked to residents and explained why feeding feral chickens is actually disruptive to the neighborhood, to the community, and why uh, we're advising not to do that. So sometimes uh, the feedback has been, oh, we didn't realize that we we're, were doing that. We just thought it was, you know, we're helping out the chickens. So... That, that is a new program. It, it's I don't view it as one of our core services, but it is very important to the community. And, and that is why we launched that expanded program. Yeah. How did that become the city's kuleana? Because, you know, you think of like, yeah, like dogs, right? The requirement of microchip kind of humane society mm-hmm. that falls under the feral cats as well, spay and neuter. Um, but the chicken part, how did that fall under the city's kuleana? So apparently the Department of Customer Services, when feral chicken um, mitigation first came up, this is, you know, a a number of years ago, um, it was assigned to the customer service department to address. There's really nothing that requires um, the our department um, to to address that situation. It's it's kind of evolved over time. And also through um, complaints and concerns raised through council members, you know, council has also asked us to look at that. They've actually funded in the last two fiscal years um, what what we call council ads, where they funded additional monies to address feral chickens. And so that is what was used to fund uh, the city property um, trapping and, and removal. 
this fiscal year, what what came out of the the budget was a requirement through a budget proviso that our department um, continue to provide feral chicken mitigation services. Um, so that now is, you know, I'm I'm not sure if it's going to be a permanent ongoing type of program, but it certainly is something that. Um, has gotten a lot of attention, even at the state level. Yeah. So this is always something that we've said. It's it's not just a city and county type of right. issue and concern. It's statewide. And the state actually has a um, concurrent Senate resolution where um, a, a group, a working group, has been formed of multiple state agencies and the city and county of Honolulu. So we participated in that meeting and explain to this working group what we've done so far. So, um, you know, the state is going to be looking at um, how they can further, you know, support this type of initiative. And, you know, we'll see what comes out of this next legislative session in terms of um, any any additional support that the state might be able to provide to us. But right now for the city, it is a a pilot program still. We're, we're trying to figure out, you know, from a cost standpoint, does this make sense? You know, is this feasible? Is it helping? Mm-hmm. Because that that's the main thing, you know, that, that we're measuring is what's the output? You know, is are we actually capturing ch- chickens, making a dent in the population? And what the, what is the cost? Yeah. Yeah. How is that handled in other counties? So apparently it depends. So for example, there are some counties where the chickens and chickens in the communities are just part of their their environment and their culture. And uh, my understanding is they're not looking to do any kind of removal or mitigation. Um, other counties, I don't know of any other county that has a program like ours, right. um, but it, I think it it sounds as if you know they they all recognize that it's a similar kind of um, concern, but the public is also divided. You know, some people think that well, leave the chickens alone. Others are like, it's about time. I'm glad that you know this program is in place. Um, there's there's others that look at it from a kind of an ecosystem type type of perspective because chickens eat insects. And so we need insects, right, to um, be controlled or the insect population because insects damage crops, you know. So it's this whole ecosystem, you know, it's fascinating. But, um, you know, so there's all these different concerns, you know, and um, but but Honolulu really is, to my knowledge, the only county that has aggressively, you know, started this type of pilot program. Um, I'm just not aware if Maui, Big Island, you know, Kauai, if they have anything um, to this to this level. So managing a department of hundreds, you talked about motor vehicle, you talked about the ecosystem. Where were you before this, Kim, and what prepared you for this job? So I have uh, 30 plus years of government experience. Um, I started off um, the the large majority of my um, my work experience has come from the Board of Water Supply. I was there for 14 years and then I moved to the city. I worked in uh, two different city departments and then I moved to UH. And I was there for about four years before I came back to the city uh, with um, 
the Blangiardi administration. And, and I was so fortunate because I really, I don't know if it's because I've spent the majority of my career in the city or at the city, but I did not expect to have an opportunity to come back. And I was so happy to be able to come back and, and work. Nola Miyasaki was our director. Um, she hired me as, as deputy to help her. And it, it was such a very challenging, very challenging first year, but I learned so much and I really wanted to do whatever I could to help the city. My understanding of city hiring, city procedures, policies, you know, just knowing, you know, how things work and, and people in different departments, mm -hmm. I think has really helped um, our department because um, I brought that that knowledge and experience um, to the department when I first started. When Nola moved on to HR and I became director, it just enabled me to build upon what we had started and really take us from a point where we had so many complaints, such a large backlog, largely due to COVID. You know, we had to shut down, we had to suspend services. And in conjunction with COVID, there was this peak in renewals for right. driver's licenses. So it was kind of the perfect storm. And so we had to work through a lot of that. But once we got through a lot of that in in the first and maybe the, the, the first year and a half, we got to a point where we're now able to really try to proactively address things like, you know, road tests and renewal appointments. Um, at the beginning of 2022, it was taking about four to six months on average to get a road test appointment. We're down to one to two months now. And for an Aloha Q appointment for renewal, um, you can easily get an appointment, you know, within a month. We also have standby service or walk-in service available, even though sometimes the wait is longer. Um, but that is is down to, you know, about a month. It was around three to four months wait time. So the service level has increased tremendously. And now we're doing things like passport intake. We started that last year. That's that's a, a brand new service for the city. We now have it at three satellite locations, Ala Moana, Kapolei, and Wahiwa. And that was something that when Asia reopened after COVID and a lot of people wanted to travel, they needed a passport. And it's very difficult to get an appointment, you know, at a, at a library or a post office, you know. And so um, adding this to the, the city services, because satellites are known in the community to provide these broad types of services. So adding this was something that um, we, we piloted in the beginning. It was very successful. And then we expanded. And I think at this point now, with three locations, um, you know, that that is a good place to be. We have appointments available for passports within a week. So you could, or if not less than a week. So if you really needed to get your passport done, and because it takes a number of weeks to actually obtain your passport, you need to do that early, right? Mm -hmm. If start that process early, if you're going to travel. And that's just new passport, right? Yes, just new passport. So for renewals, that has to be handled through the mail with the U.S. passport office. But for anyone needing a new passport, yes, that's what we do the intake for. You mentioned your years with the city prior. Um, was any of that in CSD? No. So when you finally took on the director position for this department, what was the reaction from your friends and family? Did they know exactly what this department did? What did they say to you? 
they've learned a lot about what this department does because you know i i um i let them know i talk to them about it yeah. i'm trying to give them information i also get a lot of inquiries you know from family and friends trying to find information and that has actually helped me also to um, improve right our the information that we have posted and that we push out through social media as well as our services you know it, it's all part of that feedback that we consider um, but overall I would say that they're they're very happy with the service that they've been experiencing um, I get a lot of positive feedback I also get constructive feedback you know <laughs> and they're not um, they're not shy about doing that but they are I think a lot more aware and appreciative of what our department does and we we really touch almost everyone yeah. you know in yeah. in um on on island because almost everyone needs you know a driver's license a state id or um, they register their car or they want to pay their water bill you know at one of our satellites or they want to contact us for information or you know submit a concern or a complaint so we do all of that you know in addition to you know these other types of services with feral chickens and you know um, we also manage the abandoned vehicle program so we're trying to also proactively do more in the community there um, right now or historically it's been largely based on complaints that come in you know some some car has been parked in front of my house and hasn't moved you know for a week so our inspectors go out they mark the the tires and the road they go back and they see if there's been any movement and if not they they can tow the car or they tow the car. So that's, that's a free service. Yes. Free city service. Yes. And in addition to that, if anyone has a vehicle that they no longer want, it's not usable other than, you know, we need to be able to tow it. So it's got to have two wheels, you know, yeah. and and it, it needs to be free of any debris in the car. Um, we have a free junk vehicle towing program. So we don't want people abandoning cars on the street. We want them to call us yeah. and we will come out and tow for free. We also have another important program that's a vehicle sto storage program. So there's some people who they have multiple cars and let's say they, they decide, okay, they want to keep a car, but they're not going to use it on the road. Um, they you know, what we advise is that they put their vehicle into storage. They have to actually surrender their license plates, um, bring in their registration and um, insurance, and it needs to have a valid safety check. But if they put it into storage, like official storage, then their um, motor vehicle registration fees are suspended until they bring that car back out on the road. Hmm. And then it'll resume. But that way, you know, if if someone has a vehicle or if, you know, let's say a family member is is going to the mainland, isn't going to be using the car for a while or whatever the situation is, yeah. that's also another helpful way to keep um, vehicles off the road, you know, and also for people to not have to pay their registration if they're not using the car yeah. on the road. How long do people, for those using that service, you know, like maybe like their kid is going to college and won't be driving the car for, you know, how long do they leave it in that storage it, for? It varies, but it can be years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, you talked about, you know, the kind of the temperature that your friends and family give for, you know, the issues for your department. You also talked about um, the group that and, and the customer service branch that kind of helps with the inquiries coming in. Um, what is, at least at this point in time, 
the complaint or the question that you guys get most? And what's the response? Because I'm sure people listening to the podcast probably have the same question. So I would say the the primary request is uh, for fast service because there may be times when, you know, while the vast majority of days um, you can get an appointment quickly, you get serviced um, quickly by our staff. There are times, as we had talked about earlier, when we are short staffed at a location, our satellites actually shift personnel between our nine locations. If if a particular location has a heavy appointment load and, um, you know, they're short staffed because, you know, employees are out for different reasons, we, we will shift resources there. Um, so I would say that's the number one thing that I hear still, you know, it's not frequently, but it's consistently where, you know, they want faster service. And so what we've done in different locations also is, um, you know, try to streamline the processing so that, um, for example, at intake, when they check in, their documents are checked so yeah. that they make sure that they have everything that they need. They're not waiting to get to the window and then they're told, oh, you know what, you don't have everything. So in in those cases, you know, they may have to go home and pick up another um, document and return. But that way, at least, you know, where when they get to the window, it'll be much faster. Right. Um, the other thing is the, the walk in service. So we do have, unfortunately, with the Aloha Q appointment system, we still have a relatively, um, you know, steady number of no shows. And we encourage the public. They get a reminder a week before before and a day before and also information on how to cancel or reschedule but we still have no shows and what that does is you know for the people that are waiting for their appointments you know we, we take them and we process them sooner if they check in early yeah. um, but also with the walk-in customers they can come in and then based on the no shows we we fit them in yeah. we prioritize appointments so we want customers with appointments to be serviced first but then we do fit in the walk-in customers um, so that I think is still something that, um, again, it's not, you know, regularly that we receive complaints, but I, I think that there's still this notion out there that, oh, we don't want to go to the DMV because it's going to take too long and I'm going to be waiting a long time. And, and so they dread it. What I, what I love to see and hear is when they go to their appointment, they get service quickly, and then they tell me, oh, that was really fast. I was in and out in 15 minutes, you know, and they're surprised, right? So that is something that, you know, is is really great to hear. And we also, um, you know, make sure that our staff, our line staff knows that though that kind of feedback is coming in because yeah. the public does submit commendation, you know, to our employees when they receive service, especially when they weren't expecting it mm -hmm. or it was really outstanding. And we share that down. I, I will send as much as I, I can, um, you know, directly an email or a message, or if I see, you know, an employee um, to relay that to them. So they know that, you know, you did a great job and, and I really appreciate it. Our whole department does. And what it's doing is it's changing the perception of our department um, in the public's eyes. The other thing, of course, that we get a lot of complaints um, on still are feral chickens. So that is a common complaint also. That is you know, throughout this, it's actually for all the complaints, apparently, um, that we receive citywide, not just our department. Yeah. It's in the top five. Wow. 
you mentioned no shows. What is the grace period? Like, say I make an appointment on Aloha Q. Is it like, you know, kind of like college, 15 minutes, professor's not there. Like, are you considered no show? What is the grace period? So um, we just had this question come up actually through Kokua line. And what we explained is that we don't cancel anyone's appointment if they don't show up, right? What happens is depending on the appointment load, staffing levels, and, you know, where we are in the production process, we will try to accommodate someone who comes late. They may have to wait longer because we're going to take the, uh, the, applicants or the customers who either came early or came on time for their appointments but we will do our best to accommodate you know if someone cannot wait for service then we ask them to please um, reschedule we will help them if we can to reschedule their appointment um, or they can be um, you know put on our what we call our, our standby or walk-in list but we want to be respectful of everyone's time so when you think about it when you go to like a doctor's office or um, you know, a hair salon or, or something, right? And you have an appointment. If you're more than 15 minutes or so late, then um, a lot of times they, they tell you, you know, I'm really sorry, I can't accommodate you, let's reschedule. So we do offer that rescheduling, but we don't turn anyone away. We actually try to fit them in as, as best we can. Of course, unless for some reason there are extenuating circumstances at that location for that day where they're incredibly short-staffed and backlog. Because at that point, you know, we're very upfront with customers and we let them know it might be a really long wait, you know, and we have customers um, who choose. I'm not sure why, but we've actually had some of our staff go out and try to inform the public that um, that is waiting for standby service in the mornings. They usually line up in the mornings and um, we ask them, you know, are you aware we have next day appointments? Because between uh, three and four every day, depending on staffing levels, we do open up um, limited numbers of appointments for next day service. So at least that way you get a time slot. Mm -hmm. You don't have to come you know early and then wait in line you know so that's what we try to do but i i think i think of it as a a reciprocal type of common courtesy yeah. you know and we are thinking about our other customers who um, you know, made appointments, came early or came on time. And we really um, want to acknowledge and appreciate that. So we provide service to them first. Yeah. So, but we will do whatever we can to accommodate people who are late because they may have, you know, a, a, a reason, a legitimate reason why, you know, they're late. Earlier, you mentioned real ID. Mm -hmm. um, I know we have till 2025, mm -hmm. right? But May. are there, what does that list look like? Are there still people who, who haven't gotten their gold star yet? So we're really fortunate where um, for Oahu, um, you know, we're at about a 90% a compliance rate. So that's tremendous. And that's because of years of, you know, promoting, informing, educating the public regarding Real ID. And there were, um, you know, previous um, cutoff dates, right, where people thought they had to get it done. So that helped to also. To, right, yeah. right. So um, right now, yes, it's May of 2025. And while that seems far away, right, it'll come quickly. And so we really want to encourage people that if you don't have a gold star or you know real id credential please make an appointment come into one of our locations um read information on our website regarding what you have to bring with you and in terms of documentation and we will help you 
you know, with that, um, because we don't want anyone to be stuck or rushed, you know, when it gets close to that deadline, we continue to periodically promote that and inform the public that they really need to, um, you know, do something about that now. We encourage that. But uh, we also know that, you know, human nature, people, you know, may either forget or their weight. And so we're definitely going to, you know, probably ramp up, you know, our our um, communication to the public uh, regarding Real ID compliance as it gets closer. But we're going to do it early because we don't want people to wait, you know, and we also don't want this big rush of, of customers because then it's going to slow down service, right? Where are we with our new license plate, right? Because that was in the news a little bit that we were going to be losing our rainbow. Mm -hmm. So actually what we um, decided to do in collaboration with all the other counties, because it is a statewide um, type of program, is that we have decided to maximize usage of the rainbow plates. So right now, um, Hawaii County is on the letter Z. And Oahu is on, we're on W. So um, we still have um, some alphabets left. Mm -hmm. So we're going to use those up. And essentially, we're going to use um, Y and then A through D. Because the rainbow plates, when they were issued, I don't know if anybody remembers this. I'm, I'm sure some people do. It started, um, A through D were never issued as oh. rainbow plates. They were actually the warrior plates and when they converted over from the warrior plate which was kind of this orange you know warrior um, um, image to the rainbow plates yeah they skipped that series and so that's never been issued on a rainbow plate before so what we're going to do is we're going to utilize um, y and then a through d and we're estimating that will give us another at least 15 years plus of rainbow plates. Yeah. So that's on hold for now. And I think, um, you know, collectively, you know, the, the counties all agreed that that's what they um, would prefer to do. Yeah. So that's that's what we're going to end up doing. We would like to promote you know, our other types of specialty plates. So we have organizational plates, um, Polynesian Voyaging Society, um, Halekala, and um, Volcanoes National Park plates. And although there is a $25 additional fee annually every year, in the first year it's a little bit higher, but recurring it's $25, $20 of that amount goes directly to the organization, you know, um, to support that organization. So we have those. And we also have some other plates where it's a rainbow plate, but you'll notice that the license plate is shorter in characters. I think it's four. And then there's a, a emblem oh, of yeah. like, you know, um, I think there's Bishop Museum, yeah, UH yeah. Athletics, things like that. That also is structured in the same way where um, a portion of the annual renewal goes to those organizations. So we call it org plates. Yeah. You know, it's on our website. And so we're promoting, you know, those types of plates. And then, of course, the other type of plate that's very popular here is uh, personalized plates. So, you know, somebody's name on a plate and that um, has a higher fee. It's actually a $60 a year annual fee in addition to your motor vehicle registration. So these amounts for these special plates are on top of your regular um, car registration cost. 
Mm -hmm. But, you know, that those are other ways that if people want to, you know, somehow um, make their their car look more unique, they can do that. And of course, we have rules um, in terms of what's appropriate to put on a license plate and a process that we have. So we need to follow those because it, it cannot be anything inappropriate on the plate. Well, Kim, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything we missed? I feel like we talked about almost everything. And um, hopefully, you know, um, the community understands a little more about what our department provides and all the services that we offer. Um, we, we also, you know, very much appreciate any time there is, of course, positive feedback coming back so that we know we can improve more in those areas. And that's what the public appreciates and, and wants more of. And then constructive feedback also so we can try to fix, you know, any kind of process that that needs to be streamlined or improved. Um, so that's also very helpful to us. And that's that's what we're about. You know, it, it's really trying to, you know, um, exceed expectations and provide the best service possible that we can. And I'm very proud of all almost 300 employees in our department because they come to work every day and they do the best they can uh, to provide the service and support to the community. Okay, thank you for your time. Thank you. And thank you for listening. If you have a question for Kim, you can upload your podcast questions by heading to oneoahu.org slash podcast. And we hope to get Kim on sometime again soon. Next week, we'll be back with Mayor Rick Blangiardi right here on the One Oahu podcast. Until next time, aloha. Aloha.